Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host Tom Quee here. We are the Alphabetical Metallica podcast. That's what differentiates us from all the other ones. We have been going through every song now for quite a while, you know, more than two years we've been doing this show. And, uh, you know, we get to Sad But True, finally, a momentous track, a legendary song. I mean, the stature of this tune in the canon of Metallica cannot be overstated, the importance, the precedent that it's set and i'm really excited to be talking about this song today that's what we do on the song on the show we talk about these songs with guests uh i would say if you want to come on the show email me we actually it's probably the first time announced this on the show i've officially finished the alphabet as it were with guest bookings so there's no real slots left now pending cancellations and stuff like that but if you want to come on the show as people have recently and just wanted to discuss something else metallica based uh, metallicapod.gmail.com get in touch with me there great to hear from you planning a few cool episodes at the moment you know itunes is also there if you want to leave us a review you want to support the show patreon as well uh, is there so what files will be on there which is this video series you may have seen me putting on the youtube channel going through metallica's very own magazine i've actually just at this moment recorded uh issue three and i'm just going to edit it tonight and it should be out there soon so uh yeah if you want to support me uh, on those ventures out metallica there that would be greatly appreciated and i'm joined by someone who's been on the show you know i lose count now it's like sad but true it's just you know it's just something so familiar kevin <laughs> how's it going man going great as always man thanks for having me on Sad but true, it really was kind of one of their. Uh, I think it, it just became like an instant masterpiece when it came out. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Delivered on all fronts, and I mean, for you in this song, then, like, were you already a fan when you encountered this track? Uh, yeah. I mean, by the time I got into Metallica, the Black Album was just pretty much part of the culture by then. I mean, this was early '90s. I got into Metallica about 2003. And there's something about the Black Album. I know people say, oh, they sold out. They had a more poppy, mass appeal kind of sound. But the Black Album, especially songs like this and Sandman, just have a timelessness to them that I don't think anybody can deny. No. And, you know, there's so much about it that is unforgettable. And just getting into the track, for me, you know, a huge part of it is the the intro and the, the mythic sense that it has, that thick gulping chunk of a tone bam bam but you know so tight still and playing with silence brilliantly like the way they pause and leap back in on certain sections throughout this song is inspiring like it's so well maneuvered absolutely i mean they do the same thing in harvester but it's all over the place in this song and it just sort of builds up that tension Mm -hmm. and like you were saying with the intro it's got this sort of epic feel there's this build-up that something's gonna drop and it's got mm-hmm. this sort of intimidation sound going yeah yeah and the now 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 like the way that that bends and teases and shows a flexibility amongst the really satisfying uh, rhythmic rigidity that comes in there in the intro and then it spills out into the main riff of Sabbath true which is um, obviously an epic piece of music. Like, it feels it feels so essential to me, that riff. Like, you know, Kashmir, it's often compared to, and you can definitely see yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like something from the firmament. It feels like if I distilled all matter, sat, the sad but true riff would be there. You know, it just, it, it's the beating oh, core, yeah. like. 
it's just heavy and yeah. dense and there's this whole imposing groove that's just yeah. throughout the song because of that riff mm. it's so awesome it's it's one of my favorite metallica riffs if not yeah. my favorite yeah yeah it has its own center of gravity and it's just it's kind of reminds me in a certain twisted way just because of the of the fretting movement of walk by pantera and it also embodies a lot of the characteristics of it. it's very simple like just to read the tabulature, you know, it's just free pull-offs uh, with that E being chugged there. But again, just spicing it up with those lacunas, those breaks there, uh, those silences, and just it just has this kind of you know hang loose, but still very powerful, as you say. And it does kind of you know just rides throughout the song. And it's a, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's it's a crazy piece of work. Everyone knows this riff, and it it must be like. It's maybe even like top three Metallica riffs. I think it's not even top five. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that James Hetfield magic of taking mm-hmm. something seemingly simple and then it's just like turning it into the greatest thing ever. I don't know how he does it, but that's yeah. like his, his, one of his superpowers. And, you know, another one of his superpowers is, you know, I remember Lars again saying this about, um, you know, the, the verse riff being almost impossible to play and sing and daring people to do it. And and he, he was bloody right. Like, he was absolutely right. Like, you know, the, the way those riffs play counter to what Hetfield is singing in the verses is astonishing. Yeah, I would have never thought of that because I'm not a musician. I don't play guitar. I definitely can't sing. But then you think about it and try and listen to it and sing along and go, what's his hand doing while this is all happening? And once that is sort of revealed to you, you're like, holy shit, like that is really difficult. (laughs) And uh, I mean, the title of the song, Sad But True, you know, stands just as iconic as the riff itself to a certain extent, terrific title. I mean, what do you make of it in terms of its meaning? Uh, When I read it, it just has this ominous feeling to me. Um, it's a common saying, but it is axiomatic. Uh, there's something about it, about it that implies that whatever this circumstance is, it's probably not changeable. Like you're just going to have to deal with the misery of it. And there's something really heavy about that subject matter to go along with that riff. Yeah. And it's just what, what I like about it as well is it's not just like smashing your dreams in that sense of like master of Hobbits. It's not saying that this thing's impossible, blah, blah. It's just saying that there's this, there's this bitter sweetness at play, really, which is the truth of, of life to a certain extent. That's where it's most tragic in the mundane. It's just kind of just saying the inevitability of this emotional transaction. But it, it's just so readable and it's just not as on the nose as Iron Maiden, for example, or something like that. It's just playing. Into yeah, that, exactly. It's know. not up in your face like Slayer. It's yeah. more subtle than that, but still <laughs> sort of got that evil imposing nature to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. You know, it's 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 heavy as fuck. I mean, James's intro, right? Metallica gives you heavy like that. That is part of the song now. Yeah, heavy is probably the best word that you can use to describe it. If there's yeah. a heavier word than heavy, then probably that one. But that's yeah. all that pops to mind. Yeah, it's got it's like a it's like a black black hole sun over here. Like it is just like it does oh, have yeah. this. You know, it's not screamy. It's not distorted. You know, there's barely any. Like it's just got this huge fucking tone. And, I mean, Lars as well throughout the track is just, you know, again, with the riff, the sort of propulsive engine throughout. But I just, I love his playing here. Oh, yeah. It's one of my, it's one of those Lars Ulrich drum parts that everybody knows that you can just say. It's just like that pause and then pop, 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 pop. Like everyone knows that. And it's so fantastic for this song. 
yeah it really is and i mean you know the drum sound is absolutely joying i mean i was just looking into uh joel mciver's great book uh, justice for all the truth about metallica obviously had joel on the show a little while ago now definitely go check out that episode spoke about the book extensively and uh in the book he interviewed andy snape i think i'm saying that right snape um metal producer very well respected guy uh speaking of the black album in general and uh, this song saboteur saying quote i thought the black album was great i think they needed to mature as a band after injustice for all i actually think bob rock was one of the best things that have ever happened to them everything that bob rock does the vocals rightly are the main focus when saboteur kicks in in a nightclub it still sounds amazing it has the snare drum from hell and it really it really does like it has those giant like mr big like just those huge you know crashes that just play into it but none of it feels wet but none of it always feels dry as well it just has this just alluring enticing heaviness you've got to say heaviness with sam but true unfortunately and the the bass stands out very clear as well it's not muddy at all yeah, I think that's what's great about Bob Rock, and I think I've said this before, but the Black Album feels like it's in this huge room, but the sound fills up every inch of it. Like, it's made for stadiums, and it can handle that and more. It's just a humongous sound. Yeah, it is. and, you know, as a song itself, you know, it makes sense that it's kind of a five-minute... It doesn't exactly have the expansive intentions that other Metallica songs of that length do. Like, it does... Lot, I've seen a lot of people saying like maybe it doesn't need the third verse or whatever it could kind of end at the four minute ten mark whatever you know regardless just you know Im- impact is what you make it but what, what do you think does this song deserve to be a little longer or would you prefer to shorten it I think it's just right as it is I think if you went longer I don't think uh, there's probably a whole lot of more lyrical content that you can put in there to make it special and not seem repetitive I mean it's already got him going over like the same words which i don't think is a bad thing but you know dream eyes pain all these things are reiterated a lot so i, th- I think if it went longer that would be, be a disservice to the song but i like it the way it is and ne- it never feels long to me it always feels like yeah that was just right mm-hmm. and the song has the ability to morph live especially you know where it can get slower and more menacing like you know what, what do you make of that there are some versions like that they've done that is like wow the song is just completely different vibe wise yeah it's kind of weird how that happens and at least to me the slower the better um i was looking up some live versions of this song and you know in the 2000s and stuff it's kind of got a faster pace than they used to play it like the moscow 91 show is this really intimidating sort of slow sludgy feel to it and i think it's better that way than faster which is not what i usually say about metallica songs yeah and you know if you are to do the inevitable alpha metallica bingo one of the things that i know people will call out is that tom slanders kirk solo and here i have to just <laughs> say you know explicitly that i'm in love with the solo in this song i think it's one of kirk's very very best from top to bottom and i mean the way it comes in that you know that motorbike to the horizon sort of opening lick and just I, I, I love the slide I love the play again with silence and the breaths it takes and it's just it just absolutely love this solo Kevin I'm glad you like it I'm glad you're giving Kirk a little bit of praise yeah. um this isn't one of my favorite Kirk solos I just to use a Lars word I think it's kind of stock wow. for the Black Album okay. it's not that I dislike it it's just that I'm, I, it's probably because I'm so in love with this riff that it's like, all right, that was a good break from Kirk. Thanks, buddy. Like, let's get back into the 
you know, the regular riff. Yeah, I mean, I actually, no, I actually rate it quite highly on the Black Album, but, but I get what you're saying. It doesn't have a certain narrative, and it just kind of, it's just a series of licks. For me, I guess I'm sort of, you know, grading Kirk on a certain curve here, because I'm so used to him aping the vocal melody. I'm so used to him doing kind of boring rhythmic blues box stuff over obvious Hetfield crash rhythms and stuff like that. So, so I, just, I just like what he's going. I like the certain, you know, the, the, the legato flourishes that take part in the riff. It's kind of, you know, as it builds up, and it just has quite a predictable yeah i do like the restraint that he has on Mm. mostly like black album solos it's not just kirk going you know crazy all over the fretboard like there's a little like you said some breaths in it Mm -hmm. and a little bit more melody to it so that's what i do like about it yeah yeah he he rose to the occasion seriously did like you know his best work i think inarguably is is on this album like Oh, for sure. Unforgiven. Can't like, top it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, he's great all over the air. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I just think in terms of, like, a, a kind of A-list guitar player, like, you know, he delivered the sort of solos that this album needed. And, you know, I think this solo again, yeah, okay, it's not going to go down as one of his greatest ever. But for me in particular, I, I, I just think he plays absolutely brilliantly on it. And, um, you know, just, just, just the... Uh, the kind of I don't know. The, the, there's, there's a slickness to it. The, there's there's a there's a wisdom, I suppose. Like I said before, there's, there's a measured nature to it that I'd really do enjoy, and uh, it just has a cackling nature, you know. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, you, you, yeah, I like this solo clearly. But yeah, it's a as a song itself. Um, it has a second solo break as well. Uh, just before we get into kind of the final minute of the song, which is quite a nice touch as well. Something the band don't normally do. Uh, it just plays into the looseness of the song that this lead break just sort of pops up and guides us, uh, you know, to the last 60 seconds or so. Um, I mean, as a collaboration, it is worthy of the Lars, you know, a sort of Hetfield Ulrich name, isn't it? Like, it really feels like both of them together are barreling this along. Yeah, that's what I have in my notes. Mm-hmm. I think this is like the pinnacle of Hetfield Ulrich combo. The riff and the drums are really what carries this. Um, you know, sorry, Kirk. I mean, I think if Kirk was in a different band, everybody would be like, he's way more amazing, but because he has to stack up next to Hetfield and Ulrich and whoever's playing bass in Metallica's catalog, then he kind of gets shortchanged. I mean, talk to me about the vocals. Like, they, they sound fucking giant to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like anything, some live performances are better than others. Um, I'm a big fan of the of the 90s Metallica. So that's kind of what I think of, like the live shit uh, era kind of stuff. But there's, you know, that Hetfield growl and gravel and anger in it that I really like. But it still holds up even today when there's not that. And he's, you know, more, I don't know, polished or practiced mm-hmm. in how he sings. I mean, yeah, the you know the two-faced nature, the duality of the song plays out perfectly on the sonic landscape as well. The two voices often at odds. The way the Hetfield backs himself up there, and uh, yeah, it's a real, real. I mean, this is something that happens quite a lot in the music, henceforth, you know, and, and prior as well. But you know, really cool to see it embodied here. Um, lyrically, for you, this is probably one of the more studied Metallica tracks, I'd say. You know, one that people prize quite highly in that facet, like. What is the meaning of this song to you, if you can put your finger on it? Um, well, I know that James has said that it's about, you know, sort of a duality, like you were mm. saying, good and evil, the secret me and the public me is what James said. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this really comes across as a song about alcoholism or the, you know, the implications of becoming an alcoholic. There's sort mm-hmm. of a story there from first verse to the last verse, and I see it as sort of like, People are starting to 
call whoever the the subject of the song is like hey maybe you have a problem and then it moves to maybe i do have a problem and then by the end it's yes and this is a really bad problem and you know just the lyrics themselves just literally in terms of the you know sounds of the syllables the use of the hey hey they they like that again plays into that slightly unhinged nature of the song doesn't it it just gives it more of a bounce oh yeah for sure there's a sort of like a swagger there and i think it goes along with Ulrich's drumming as well that sort of you know beat and swagger to it mm-hmm. and i mean you know the chorus is anchor and i'm 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 and it's those classic parallels that songwriters like to explore culminating in the, the bark of sad but true which just kind of hammers home that hopelessness right yeah yeah absolutely and it's cool that you pointed out the repetition of i'm Mm because it's only verse two where it goes to you where it's like as in this song i see it as it's sort of the the demon of alcoholism or alcohol itself being the narrator for uh most of this but then it actually points out its victim in the second verse Mm -hmm. and then we get the twilight zone reveal i'm you yeah yeah i I liken that to sort of like Fight Club because mm-hmm. Tyler Durden is this sort of alter ego that the narrator of Edward Norton creates and that supposedly like shields him from the consequences of his bad actions. But by the end, he realized, yes, that's me and I've done all these horrible things and now I need to fix it. I mean, yeah, this is just as a song to dive into, as you guys know, one of the most popular songs that the band have ever done. You know, Song they play at pretty much every concert, right? Absolutely, like, I'd be I would be disappointed if they didn't. That that's the level that this song is at. This ain't this ain't no fuck. This ain't no fucking halo on fire. Like this is going nowhere. <laughs> like, I one thousand three hundred six times they've played it. Yeah, it's amazing. I looked at that number and like. What's that? Since the early nineties, like that's 91. a lot of times to play that song. Yeah, yeah. Pentaluma, California, August the first, ninety one, debuted. Last played in Slane Castle, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Which is and just three I days watched ago. that video of that song being played from somebody who had their <laughs> iPhone or whatever in the crowd. Yeah, did you watch much of that? I didn't really catch any of the footage of the concert. No, I didn't catch much of it. I'm sure they'll release some of it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I watched a little bit from somebody's camera phone. The audio was pretty crap. So I, I like that they put out those pro versions of, you know, bits of their concerts. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh God. And, uh, yeah, my first Metallica concert, James was up there with that camo snake bite right in front of me when I was on the rail playing the song. And that was one of the best moments of my life. I think <laughs> I, I can't, you know, we would have got a hardwired DVD by now, I guess, or maybe like the tour. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they're working on it. Maybe once the tour is done, they'll release it, just maybe. so it's not competing with other sales of things. I don't know how that all works. No, and you know, maybe the YouTube channel has pretty much replaced that. Like, you know, they've just the way they treat that is incredible. So, but um, yeah, but yeah, guys. Again, we always open it up to you at Metallica Pod. Follow us at Metallica Pod if you you know want to give your feedback on these tracks, and I'll read them out on the episode. So. Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Rye from Sab. Check out the Sabracadabra episode that just went down. That was a great episode. Uh, Rye saying, absolute juggernaut, both on the album and live. Of all the set list locks, I would truly be sad if this was ever swapped out. 
Alex saying, Alex Finney, after Sandman on the radio, this song announced all is well in Metallica world. I will never forget seeing it live for the first time. 10,000 headbanging in unison with fists and horns pumping in the air with the pummeling drums, such a sellout. It's these Black Album songs that awaken new metal fans to eventually search out Megadeth, Anthrax, Overkill. Rouse saying Metallica gives you heavy, and on this one they definitely do, both on the album and live. The riff is just a big, fat, heavy monstrosity, made heavier by the fact that Hetfield added some extra bass lines. What? Did you know that, Kevin? I didn't know that. I had no idea, no. but it sounds awesome. Okay. And speaking of bass, Jason's BGVs, when he does the bridge, those are awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the lyrics are dark as hell, Ralph continues. One of my favorites after the Black Album, Joy to Hear Live. Uh, slowing it down a bit live adds to the heaviness. And John Bradshaw saying, boring, so overrated. I mean. Well, I guess everyone's entitled yeah. to their opinion. <laughs> I, maybe he doesn't dig the riff and it's too, there's not much else going on for him. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> uh, R4 podcast saying, I'm not the biggest fan of the Black Album. That being said, this track is my favorite on it. And the one I put up there with the Mythic first four albums. Michael Fell off topic says, Tom, I really hope that Metallica release a new album or at least new songs at like SM2 just to mess up your numbering. I have thought of that. That is inevitably going to happen. Apparently, Metallica are going to do a covers album. And obviously, I'll have to cover that. I'm really looking forward to that coming out. So, you know, look, I, I just got to deal with it. I'm one of those people that has millions of emails in the inbox. Like, it doesn't really bother me. But Matt Jameson saying, maybe I'm just tired of it. Sad but true. But it bores me. Heavy is not what we want. It's a mixture of fast scalloping, unique, hard-hitting moments that's balanced with a perfectly timed melody. I mean, I, I, I agree. But I think Sad but true kind of has that. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not fast. I think it does to some extent. Mm-hmm. And if you want the fast gallopy stuff, I mean, there's plenty of it. I- even on Hardwired, there's plenty of it. I mean, there is some negative feedback here. I mean, Kringy again saying Metallica's most overrated song, whereas a lot of people are effusive, such as Fixer, such a fucking badass song. The slow, heavy riff, the lyrics are so fun to play and sing this on guitar. So look, I mean, you know, guys, there's always going to be that sort of stuff out there, and, and whatever, like you know, like Kevin said, it's fine. But uh, it's just interesting to see because this is kind of one of the Metallica's kind of you know crowning glories to a certain extent. This song that people will always get excited for, rightly so, on all fronts. The band deliver. Um, Kevin, any final thoughts on Sabbath? true i was gonna ask you where would you rank it in the pantheon of heaviest metallica songs heaviest metallica songs i mean i do i I do find it heavy undeniably just for its kind of you know the the hip shaking trudge that it has but i don't know if any of it kind of like justice has a heaviness to me you know what i mean a kind of claustrophobic uh closed room heaviness that i find a bit more appealing but um it's up there it's up there yeah, I think it's got to be. This would be my favorite. I think it's even way ahead of like Dream No More and yeah. all the other regular heavy songs that they, people would say were Metallica's heaviest. Yeah, yeah. But Dream No More, like, it's funky to me. Yeah, I could see that. I think there's a little bit of dissonance in it that just doesn't ring with me for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I can see why people like it. It's just not my thing. So yeah. this song is like far and away the heaviest and my favorite yeah i mean like i don't mean to be lame but the thing that i like about dream all the most is the cthulhu inferences like i'm like oh that's cool <laughs> like as a fan i think that like... too i love the whole lovecraft sort <laughs> yeah, of thing right? woven in there is especially on death magnetic because it was more i don't know esoteric more hidden yeah. you had to kind of go look for it 
<laughs> yeah, I was actually, uh, I was at my old job, and there was this, like, older guy that worked there, and he was going on holiday, and I was like, are oh, you taking any books with you? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. And I was like, dude, and, like, you know, we just, uh, he was like, what's your favourite story? And I was like, Dagos, I think I read, about a sort of inverted um, subterranean world. And, you know, anything Cthulhu-based, even Dream No More, I will part with, but we're not talking about Dream No More today. But Sad But True, Dream No More, they are comparable, right? I mean, people do like to draw, you know, similarities. Yeah, absolutely. Just if more the feeling than anything else. Yeah, 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 certainly so. And uh, this is, you know, this kind of thing did try and get replicated on load and reload, I would say, to a certain extent. Focusing on these, you know, no-note riffs that work off swagger. Yeah, I mean, I'll say if that was the goal, it did not come off as successfully. I look at load and reload sort of differently as their own sort of contained works. I know some people even go further and say it's like sort of a Metallica side project, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, definitely that sort of simple swaggery sort of, yeah, that sort of thing definitely can translate over to load and reload. I would say it now, and it's just dawned on me, and again, I don't mean to be inflammatory, but inevitably it's low reload I'm going to be. Like, some... Not good for riffs, those two albums. Like, Metallica's best riffs are on other records. I'll agree with that, mostly because I prefer these sort of thrashy riffs Mm -hmm. instead of the... I mean, I know rock is pretty blues-based anyway, but, you know, load and reload, real bluesy, real... You know, swagger. You're telling me you don't like slower. I like that chugga chugga riff stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're telling me you don't like Sliver's riff. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass. It's there. (laughs) But uh, guys, I'm sure you enjoy Sad but True. And please comment down below. Get in touch with MetallicaPodigy.com. What do you think about this song? Um, Do you want to come on the show and discuss something else in the future other than the Metallica song? Get in touch with me there. Uh, Alternatively, do you you know? I don't know, just want to give some feedback on the show, a little hello, whatever. We'd love to read them out on the show. We have got some cool episodes coming up. We've got Seek and Destroy, Shoot Me Again, Shorty Straw, and Sliver. I mentioned it for a reason. We have Sliver coming up as well in the small hours and, you know, other stuff like that. We've got lots of cool episodes coming up. And, uh, yeah, subscribe. Check us out there. Kevin, what about yourself? Anything you'd like to share? Nope. I'm all good, man. Appreciate it. Um, no, very. are you, uh, are you going to SM2? I know you. Uh, if if by God's grace I win those Metal Up Your Podcast tickets, then right. I will. But otherwise, no. Yeah, people people go on that competition. I'm sure it's still open at the moment. And uh, you know, I think you support on the Patreon, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So go support those guys there. Support me while you're at it as well. If you're one of these crazy people who uh, you know do that sort of thing, and we appreciate you greatly. So yeah, this has been Tom Alpatalica. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with another episode in a few days. Go back through the archive, check out all the old chats, check out the Joel McIver thing that I mentioned before as well. And fuck it, I interviewed Ray Burton and Cliff Burton's dad. That was a really cool chat as well, so go check that one out. But yeah, this has been Tom. Kevin, thanks again, sir. No problem, man. Appreciate it.